special episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and returning to the show. It has been far too long. My friend, my favorite journeyman quarterback in the world, Sage Rosenfels. And uh, for those listening on the audio version, wearing a Reebok Miami Dolphins hat from the old days. What is going on, Sage? How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, good morning. Uh, I've been out of the podcast game a little bit, just doing an Iowa uh, podcast, sort of uh, for Iowa and Iowa State fans, got Iowa everywhere. I do an interview about once every two weeks, and I just have, uh, I find people in my past, uh, former players or coaches or media people or or, Fred, or or present like Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus, and he'll come on, people come on, and sometimes we we talk about football, but really it feels like more of a how you been? And I'd like to know more about you, Kevin Carter, you know, who was a teammate of mine in in, in uh, Miami and now works for CBS Sports and covers a lot of college football. Uh, but, you know, he's one of the other he's the other guy who played for Steve Spurrier and Nick Saban. I think there's two people in the whole world. And it was Kevin Carter and myself. So that's what I've been up to, uh, amongst uh, other things, but not in the media game and not uh, uh, totally entrenched in Vikings football, totally entrenched in the NFL or college football, still, of course, following as a fan. Uh, but it's nice to be back on uh, t- talking ball. Yeah, and uh, our connection remains, though, because my wife and I go to this restaurant where you order and then they give you a number. And the numbers are all from 1 to 19. So it's always a quarterback number. So every time we get the number then I'll say, oh, well, that's that's Bobby Brister or that's Bernie Kosar, whatever. So what I'll do is I'll go to the pro football reference page, screenshot their stats without the name, send it to you to see if you can identify the journeyman quarterback without seeing their name. And you have never missed you. You nailing Bobby Brister was pretty darn impressive. Uh, but that that remains our connection of talking ball from time to time. But I want to talk to you uh, this week specifically because of your connection with Brock Purdy. You didn't just go to the same school as Brock Purdy, but also worked with him in the pre-draft process. Did you ever see this coming that Brock Purdy would become the starter of the 49ers and then emerge to leading one of the best offenses in the NFL? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, that is a really good question. I, uh, you know, I, I don't want to ramble on about Brock Purdy, but, you know, when I played football at Iowa State, I threw 10 touchdown passes my senior year. I think I threw 20 or something in, in two years as a starter. Um, I threw for 52%, right? We won with pretty a solid defense and a ground game. We led the Big 12 in rushing. You know, we run some bootlegs. I would run the ball a lot, sort of like Daniel Jones in New York. You know, like not not the most not the most. Uh, uh, he's not Lamar Jackson out there, but he can get it done when it needs to get done. That's sort of how our offense was, and we we kept we uh, took care of the football. Meanwhile, Brock Purdy, I, I come back from playing, and and uh, I'm watching this kid, and it's like, man, he is out there just making magic all the time. I mean. His accuracy was always really good. Occasionally, he'd throw an interception and make a bad decision. But for the most part, I mean, you know, there'd be a lot of times where he'd catch a snap and a blitz would come and he would just sort of like fade to one way and then like off balance throw a uh, uh, just like an extremely accurate pass on a really hard throw 20 yards down to the field of the tight end. And it's like, wow, that's a great play. Like, that's a great play. And I would see eight great plays every game, like a lot of them. Um, It just sort of is a style of their offense. It's not uh, uh, overly sort of robotic for the quarterback. They don't do a lot of like long extended play actions or bootlegs. It's it's a lot of RPOs and a lot of drop back pass. And uh, and you get a lot of weird fronts and weird defenses in the Big 12 too. So it's not like you can have a protection for every blitz that you're going to see in the Big 12. And so... Anyway, I'm watching him throw uh, his freshman year. He goes in midseason, and I look right away. I'm like, this little short little guy with the thick thighs can, you know, he doesn't have a big arm, and the ball doesn't, like, spin like crazy, but he's a little playmaker out there. Then he'd run, and he'd fake a pitch and and make someone miss and rumble forward for uh, for 15 or 20 yards, and he was just a little competitor and it just sort of was like that for the next four years at Iowa state. And, uh, you know, they, they relied on him a lot. 
They, if, if Brock Purdy got hurt, Iowa State would not have been very good. I'm a big believer in this concept of if you can find a college football team and say, you know what, I'm going to take that guy off the college, that team, and put someone else in there, how good are they going to be? Drew Brees at Purdue is always like the easiest one. If you took Drew Brees off Purdue back in the day, they're, you know, maybe they're a 500 football team, and but they go to the Rose Bowl and they win it. So Brock Purdy was sort of like that. And but the, the throws and the accuracy is and the anticipation, because I was doing an Iowa State radio show at that time. I did the Iowa State side. Chuck Long did the Iowa side. So I'd go back and I'd watch the film, like the real film, not just the, the TV version. And it was like, man, this kid is making throws. Like, I'm super impressed. Did they ever throw the ball 60 yards down the field? No, you know, but but his accuracy and the way he could throw off balance and then his athleticism to create was, I thought, really impressive. Um, and so when he was coming out, you know, the whole thing was like, well, he's, you know, 5'11 or six foot. I don't know how tall he is. And he doesn't have a big arm. And he's just not impressive when you see like Josh Allen. When you see Peyton Manning or some of these guys, you're like, look at that giant person and then it's like well actually I'm about the same size I don't realize how big I am but Brock was just not one of those guys who's ends up being on the list because of these sort of tangible I guess tangible uh measurements is probably how, how they say it um but all the intangible stuff and again that accuracy and sort of ability to 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 throw on the move and throw on the run and, and anticipate was I thought off the chart so I'm at his pro day I mean here's how you, it's interesting I'm at his pro day at Iowa State and Kellen Moore, who's at the time the uh, Cowboys offense coordinator and is now the Chargers offense coordinator. We sat there for three hours. You know, I think the, those those quarterbacks coaches, I seem to sort of find or they find me and we just up talking about all sorts of things. And he was super interested in like my history with that sort of Shanahan offense. But did, was he overanalyzing Brock Purdy? Like, no, like he was watching, but it wasn't like he was all that super interested. And we were talking about all sorts of things. And sometimes we're talking to each other. We're not even watching Brock throw. I feel like I sort of missed part of his workout. But I mean, that's just sort of how interested people were in him because he didn't have that big upside. So short story long, yes, I, I had a I had a really good hunch that he'd, he'd be out there. My concern was his ability to get rid of the football with the NFL timing situation because he held on the ball a lot. And I'm a, like the NFL, that thing is a hot potato and you got to throw on rhythm and you got to get back and stick your foot in the ground. And uh, you, it's not like you're just bouncing around back there, you know, like looking over the field. And, and I feel like he was doing a little bit too much of that at Iowa state, but they had long plays that were, um, uh took a while to develop and so he had to hold on to the football in the nfl they don't they 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 minimize those super long developing pocket passing plays get so hard but he's getting the football out so quick um i think he's got probably the he has the best coaching in the national football league i i, I don't know you could probably say tua is up there um i don't know who the who the quarterback's coach is in miami but brian greasy are you kidding me is his quarterback's coach. The the best situation, Jimmy Grapple, who had been in the offense for uh, a number of years, so he got to sort of watch someone really run it that wasn't like some elite player too. And, you know, um, I, it, it couldn't have been a better situation for him. Great defense, but Brian Greasy is his quarterback's coach. You know, you got to realize Brian Greasy was playing quarterback in Tampa when Kyle Shanahan was quality control for John Gruden. So the, the, their minds and the way they think, and of course, Brian Greasy played for, for Mike Shanahan, right? Um, um, and went to the Pro Bowl. One, one year, he had 15 touchdowns and one interception going into like week nine or something like that. Um, to have him as your quarterback coach, maybe Eli was really smart. Um, Greasy may have been the smartest quarterback I played with. Um, you know, he was like a political science major in Michigan, uh, grew up, you know, private schools and all those things and, and, and Coral Gables to have him uh, with all that knowledge, um, even though he was sort of out of football for a while. But uh, and then, of course, Kyle Shanahan's extremely uh, cutting edge offense that's always changing to have that to be his 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 where he starts is sort of a dream that um, I, I think he knows how lucky he is. I, I do. I, I, I'm sure he does realize that like you watch other offenses, you're like, man, they don't do the things that we do. And I think that 
Brock seeing that. So, yeah, I didn't think Brock was going to be this was going to be happening, but I really felt like, man, if this guy gets in there. I think that the right offense, the right coaching can turn him into an NFL starting quarterback because that accuracy and that uh, the, the instinctual talent he has is uh, was so unlike I had really seen in college football in a long time. Yeah, I mean, so the debate is going on all the time with a player like this when they're drafted in the seventh round of like, is it real? Is it just the system? Is it just the circumstance and so forth? And look, throughout history, uh, we have seen pop-up quarterbacks. So there's a reason why you would want to be skeptical when it's not somebody who's Josh Allen's size. We saw Case Keenum, you know, take the Vikings to the NFC Championship. We saw Nick Foles get hot for a playoffs and win the Super Bowl and then never did anything like that before, never did anything like that after. And I think it's fair for people to wonder, all right, is the physical skill really there? But I also think that if you're watching closely, and I know he's coming off of a tough game where he led a game winning drive, but a kicker let him down, but against maybe the best defense in the NFL, uh, a hard game against Cleveland. But I also think that, you know, CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins and like other guys have tried this to not as much success as Brock Purdy. And I think there's way more playmaker in him than there is in a lot of those type of pop-up quarterbacks. And I also think that what handling and managing all the stuff that he's asking you to do before the snap and after the snap, the reads and things like that. I don't think it's just as simple as anybody can drop back and throw to open receivers. It's identifying where they are. It's lining them up correctly. It's getting the protections. And I saw a stat today that will be interesting for this matchup that he's crushing it against the blitz, which to me says his preparation is extremely good. And I, I think there was some sense for that when he was coming out that he had the mental capacity to handle something like this. He has uh, uh, an ext- his probably extreme talent. Well, he, he's got a lot of things going for him. One, he's extremely just grounded and focused. I think you can see that. And, and you know, if you follow him like on social media and he's not in some big poster by any means, but he just seems like the most down to earth focused young quarterback. And that's not easy. There's a lot of things going on for, for young guys. Um, but his ability to take an information that all the information that's going on with the, with their offense, which there's a lot going on um, in these things with the different types of motions and the different types of plays and, you know, Shanahan's getting an almost audibly in system um, and, you know, check with me's and all these things. But for him to take all that so quickly and digest it and then go out there and from day one play like he's a four-year veteran or three-year veteran where he's very comfortable in this offense. And the, 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 the fact is, is, you know, go back to last year, he's out there with guys that he's never taken reps with. When you go out there as a third string guy, you never are throwing to Debo Samuel. You are never getting snaps from the center. You're never working with these guys ever. And uh, for him to come in and so fluidly and just like veteran quarterback, you know, obviously, you know, I don't know what his like IQ is or his mental capacity or all those things, but at least from a sports perspective, he can take in a ton of information and uh, both with what you're doing and what he's seen out in the field. And it computes really, really, really fast for him. And that's probably his you know, another one of his big talents that, uh, you know, it's hard, hard to measure that at the combine in shorts and t-shirts. Yeah. And I was thinking about this as I was watching Justin Fields and I watched the tape back on Justin Fields, uh, from this last game. And I was blown away how little he can see out there like that. It was basically, he would get to his first read, but he would come off of his first read quickly. If there was anything going on in front of him. I mean, you've been a part of that chaos before, but we almost just take it for granted when quarterbacks look comfortable, how difficult that is. And I feel like that's the hardest part as you're talking about, because in college, you can see everything pretty well. Everything's super spread out. One side of the field is 75 yards long. You can see where <laughs> everything's going on. And it, it and doesn't teams, seem the teams play and teams really do play. I don't know. Not that many coverages. The Iowa Hawkeyes are six and one in the Big Ten West. Okay. The Iowa Hawkeyes have been playing the same defense 
there's a guy in Omaha that I know that is 37 years old or something. And he's like, they're playing the same quarters coverage of, of when he played DB there at Iowa state a lot. All they, they play quarters 90% of the snaps and you don't see the, as, as a wide a variety. I don't think um, you, you, there is this sort of three man rush thing with, with a lot more going on now, but some defenses are extremely simple in college football and uh, uh, to, to, to move on to the NFL for, for Brock is, is impressive. And, and it, but you could tell it struggled with, as you said, with Justin Fields, that's, it's been a real struggle for him to, to uh, uh, process the information. You, do you understand like processing of information, by the way, like how that, I know you do, but like the, how that people, the, the smarts and processing information are extremely different things and i think where justin fields struggles is this sort of processing of all the information that's going on at the same time and brock that's that his strength and i think that is testable and i think that the test will actually say that justin struggles with the sort of processing of the information of, of his team and or the other team and then physically that processing of of taking that information in and making it happen uh he's lower on that bar and and Brock Purdy is is extremely extremely high. So it was like Ryan um, Ryan Fitzpatrick actually was. Of course, he's really smart, but his is really high on process information as well. So it's it's a, that's an interesting attribute that's again hard to measure at the combine. Folks, if you know me, then you understand how much I love going to sporting events. When I go to another city, what's the first thing I look for? Who else is playing when I'm going there to cover a game? And I'll tell you what I'm using now these days to buy those tickets is game time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. And game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting excited for the fun that you're going to have. They have flash deals, last minute tickets, and it's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You get images of seats, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and so forth with game time. It is the place to be for last minute ticket deals and the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Snag tickets without stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use the code insider for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code insider for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So my favorite, or I don't know, I had a lot of favorites quarterbacks growing up, but like top, top five, for sure, Steve Young. And there's hard not to make a comparison with former quarterbacks and stuff like that. I'm not saying Brock Purdy is Steve Young. Steve Young was an incredible athlete. I think Purdy is a good athlete, but not like running for a 75 yard touchdown or something. But uh, yeah, one of the things that Steve Young said in his a football life documentary, which is extremely good and people should check it out if you care at all about 90s football, he was talking about how I think it was Mike Holmgren said to him, you're not going to be able to see your receiver run open. You're going to have to throw it to the spot we tell you to throw it and just believe that your receiver is going to be there based on what you saw on the defense. And I, I feel like there's a visualization element to playing quarterback where with Justin Fields, unless the guy had already gone into his break and was wide open, then he would throw the ball. That's just not how quarterback works. Like everything has to be so far ahead. You have to visualize where it's going to be and throw the football there. And also sometimes not even see where the receiver is because the offensive and defensive linemen are six foot six. I mean, this is, this is like, I feel like these quarterbacks who are good at it fit into such a small window of being able to do that. And it's not just their preparation, but also how they memorize it and how they like you said, process it in their brain to be able to do it beforehand. And that's something that you just can't scout in the draft. I would say like when you go into a game, I, I'm trying to think of how many pass plays you, you know, you have 150 pass plays or hundred pass plays I, I, with all of them have at least two formations, just in case you want to run it twice or something. 
but you, <coughs> excuse me, you sort of go into each one of those past, past plays and what formation it's in, and you imagine all the possibilities of what coverages and plays, like defenses you might see, you know, as you, as you, the old school flanker drive play, but you're going to go back and before you go into that game, you're going to say, okay, if I get cover three, what am I thinking? If I get cover two, what am I thinking? If I get cover uh, man to man, what am I thinking? If it's a Sam Mike blitz, where am I going with the football? If it's a Sam will blitz, what am I thinking? And you start having to go through mentally and sometimes physically too, like after practice, I'll go back and sort of go through one, you know, two and what coverage and, at, you know, like uh, just sort of mind work after practice, doing drops and footwork. But you have to like constantly try to uh, be ahead of the game of where you're going to go to the football with what you, what coverage that you think you got when the ball was snapped. There's just you cannot read it out per se. You have to be like on this coverage, really the running back who's number three in my sort of pattern, he ends up being the one that's probably going to be open. So I will very quickly go through one, two and boom, three. And it's almost like he's number one, but you're pro you're what you've, you've got, you've done is you've done all this stuff beforehand and that years of that sort of preparation uh, sort of pays off because you can't see anything out there. You got Bryant McKinney to my left, who's six, seven, you got Phil, or maybe I don't know, and Phil Lodholt, who's six seven. They're 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 seven hundred pounds combined at, at least, and I'm supposed to see Wes Welker out there like that. That's you you can't you can't see your people, and you can't see you know throw back in Terrell Buckley either. He's five foot eight too, so you can't like you know you can't you just see areas, but you see helmets barely move or the way that's what you really see and the guys who were smaller like Brock or, or Doug Flutie to me man Doug Flutie was like that guy was back there and when he threw he actually got shorter because he had a pretty wide sort of throwing motion like a baseball player and so he's like five foot eight when he's letting letting go of the football throw him between the guard and the tackle in some window and find some other window and he was like as good at it as anybody for being a small quarterback and sort of seeing where the defense was and seeing those little things. And there are a lot of quarterbacks who just really struggle to see that puzzle and how your play fits in the puzzle and then to quickly process the information to get to number three or four as quickly as possible. You just can't hold on the football in the NFL. You just can't. It's it's nearly impossible. And, and there's certain guys like Justin who who have a hard time getting it out really, really quick and anticipating. And that's, again, going back to Brock Purdy, that's what I loved about Purdy is his anticipation. He'd be throwing a ball and his receiver is completely covered as he's running through a window and it boom right between the two linebackers. He's hitting that tight end. I would say it had Charlie Kohler on the run right in the chest. And I was like, that, that's great anticipation. That's hard to sort of trust to do that. And, and some quarterbacks sort of have that and, and other quarterbacks really seem to struggle with it. Yeah, and that's part of the you can make wide receivers open based on where the ball goes. And sometimes we talk about systems and things like that, and we go, well, you know, nobody was open because you kind of look back at the tape, and when the quarterback is throwing the ball, uh, everyone looks like they're covered. But with anticipation, that's where you can throw people open. That kind of you know saying comes from. And I don't think it's something that's very easily scouted from college to the NFL. But as long as we have known each other, which I think is since 2018, you have talked to me about Shanahan Kubiak inspired systems. And what is amazing to me is that the NFL figures out everything. They stop everybody from doing anything. The wildcat is the all time example, but there's hundreds of different wrinkles that have been thrown in over the years and defenses always figure something out. And I think defenses are figuring out a lot of things that teams are doing this year and having a lot of success overall scoring is down and some of the stuff, you know, the trickery is not working. And here's Kyle Shanahan, just one step ahead of the game as well. And I will say that I think part of his genius is Trent Williams. I think it's Brandon Ayuk. I think it's Debo Samuel. I think this guy is pretty smart. Yeah, but two, let's, let, 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 hold on. But one, they drafted those guys right yeah. now. Like, do they all first round picks? No, they drafted those guys. They developed those guys. Kyle Shanahan's the best wide receiver coach I had in the NFL, too. Hands, my, my, my first year in Houston, 2006, he was our receivers coach. Hired him from Tampa. He's a young guy. He played receiver 
at Texas. And when you play a receiver in the Big 12 or at Texas, and you're going against, you know, Quentin Jammer and a lot of these guys that are going to go to the NFL and you're a little skinny receiver. You're going to really, really try to figure out, like, what is the best way for me to you're not just going to physically impose your Andre Johnson, throw the guy down and run a slant like you have to really. And, and Kyle was so good at getting people open and developing those receivers. Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson was a sort of a chest catcher before after a couple of years in the NFL. And then all of a sudden Kyle's working with him and he became really strong with his hands with the football, his development uh, as a development skills, as a, as a receivers coach, tight ends coach. Uh, The the tight ends block like their tackles because while they have incredible teaching with how they do those those fundamentals. And it's not just like, well, he ended up with George Kittle or he ended up with Brandon Ayuk. I, I think there's real development there. And it, I think it happens right away. And so, you know, I, I think they're it, it's not just his system. It's they do find like they know in that system you have to have a, just a top, top tier defense event and whatever it's willing to take. They and they got Nick Bosa. Right. And so the. It, that's what they they know what's really really important in the details and, and which players are important and they they do a great job of developing those as well yeah no it's a great point and i'm i'm complimenting the approach i mean kyle shanahan knew what he needed and he went and got it he said i need one more receiver let's get brandon Ayuk. i need christian mccaffrey which at the time they made the deal i, I was like are you sure you're gonna trade all that And I I should have trusted him because McCaffrey is a special player with his ability to catch the ball. And that's just like handing uh, a magic wand to Kyle Shanahan. But what, what is it about him specifically that has allowed him to stay ahead of the game? It's not just the bootlegs as much as we like to talk about play action. (laughs) No, not anymore. I mean, they still do some good, uh, quick play action it's it's less lawn drawn out because Brock doesn't throw the ball 60 yards and to some of those deep play action that, that they used to have you really had to chuck it down the field and um th- they don't do that as much but uh yeah 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 by the way the McCaffrey thing is your as you were talking I was thinking about I think what they saw in the McCaffrey deal is one they just knew what type of Swiss army knife player he is he's a receiver running back a little of everything but the team that he was on, Carolina, I can't remember who the offensive coordinator was, but it wasn't some brilliant mind. And when you see a player who's a great player in an offense, in a coached offense, that's not very good and they're doing pretty well, but they're not like, oh man, he's maybe not the player that he was when he first came out. And you go like, if we put him in our system, because they know how to maximize the talent and they know great running schemes and they know how to put him out as a wide receiver because he can do all those things too. Um, know how to, you know, they, they, I think they just see value in like poorly coached players on other teams. And if we could just get that, like, yeah, his stats are, he only ran for 800 yards last year. Stats were down, but we see that they have like the worst O-line coach in the NFL. Why? Because they all know each other and they know who, who coaches are, are better than others. You do. You just, you have a great feel for it. And oddly enough, not all NFL coaching is the same. And so I think they see undervalued players other places. And McCaffrey is, was definitely one of those one of those players. But uh, so. on Shanahan, uh, on Shanahan, what is it? What is it that makes him so special and able to stay ahead of the game? I know I took you in a bunch of different directions. There. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, what's interesting to me when I watched the film with, with both him and McDaniel um, and then it, really each one of these guys that played for him or coached for him, they go and they sort of spread out like a tree and they all have their own versions of it, right? The Packers are different than, very different than what San Francisco does now. But, you know, I think what he does is he has these these principles um, that starts with, I think, the tight splits. The tight splits by receivers allows them to do so many things and cause so much confusion. It's almost like the high school wing T in a way. There's so many various things going on and, and, and reverses and motions. and But the tight splits, when I watched the film, a lot of the passing combinations and the thoughts about it are still very much there's I watch plays that are like, that's the same play we ran Houston in 2007. It's the same play. But they've just done it with a, a now a new motion. And a lot of times those are running plays. Uh, you know, the three-man bunch toss crack play was called truck back then. Well, now they do it with a motion where the guy's screaming across and 
you snap it and he's on the left side of the formation, but the time Brock gets it, tosses it to the running back. That receiver now is the lead blocker who is the fullback in the bunch formation. So they, they're still doing a lot of these same plays with just sort of like cooler motions. I think to maximize both the speed of like the, the receivers, everything is like so fast. And the defense is a hard time computing all that information that, that that's happening. Right. And where they're supposed to be and what gap they're supposed to have. They don't like allow you time to, to think, but um, yeah, I, I think he does a great job uh, w- with that. Those basic principles though are still the same and he understands defense so well. I think that's where it all starts with Monty Kiffin, great defensive coordinator in, in NFL history, probably like a hall of fame style defensive coordinator. Um, his teaching of the principles of defense gap soundness and the way they drop and what they're being taught with their eyes and their feet. And um, that's where Kyle learned football from uh, when he got to Tampa. He sent a lot of these Monty Kiffin meetings. And I think that sets him apart. Every other offensive coordinator had been around. You come up, you're like, you say, I, it's, I got into coaching. I'm not going to go to the defensive side of the football. I'm going to go to the offensive. I'm going to, you know, hope, hope to be a quarterback's coach at some point, right? So I'm going to start quality control, go quarterback's coach, work my way to coordinator. But it never am I like, I'm going to go spend a year, two years, spend a lot of time with our defensive coordinator and learn exactly how they describe things. And, and that almost never happens. And so I, I think that's Kyle's big strength is his ability to truly understand exactly how like every single defense works and where the weakness is because every defense has a weakness or two and it can be really, really hard to try to manipulate it to, to figure out what, what exactly that is and how to use it. And Kyle does that better than anybody. You know, he's still getting great players like George Kittle wide open catching balls on, you know, some random, fake jets or a reverse and just he gets got he gets star players wide open he still does do that on occasion and like nfl teams don't do that so i think he just understands the weakness of every single defense and when he sees it on film he's like that's we're going to run this play because that same linebacker when they run the reverse he's going to lose kittle because his, his he's, he's got to carry him on the flatten up and he's going to lose him in the sort of the, the this that and the other and kittle's gonna be wide open and sure enough like that's exactly you know, they, they see any undiscipline out there. Um, they just take advantage of it. I, Kyle once said, if you can break the, what, what was his phrase? If you can um, basically break the technique of the defense, you'll make a huge play. Uh, it's, it really is that. If you, you know, run a stick route versus inside leverage, a little five yard out versus inside leverage, you know, that, that they want you to run that little five yard out and they tap you for a six yard gain and we move on, right? But if you can fake going out and get the linebacker to run outside of you, then get inside of him that he's being taught to always stay inside technique. Now I get actually inside of him. That's then a huge play is going to occur because everything they're doing is trying to funnel to safety, funnel to a corner, funnel to a, a helping player and Kyle does a great job of uh, uh, drawing up plays that that helps it helps his guys break the technique of the defense. Folks, if you've been listening to the show, then you know how much fun we have been having with prize picks this year. Just go to prizepicks.com slash purple. Use the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. And let me tell you how it works. If you haven't heard us talk about it enough yet, or you haven't tried it yet, very simple. There are yardage totals on prize picks. You either pick more or less and boom, you are playing. So last week, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a very tough week. I went Kirk Cousins more than 250 yards, Justin Fields more than 196, and Jordan Addison more than 54. And I went 0 for 3. This is by far my worst week. So this week, I have to bounce back. Each week has been a roller coaster ride of fun. And the best part is that when I have a bad week, I didn't lose much. It doesn't cost much to play. You can turn 10 bucks into 250 very easily. And if things go sideways for you, you're not out a whole heck of a lot of money. But normally, I do much better than this. So that is prizepicks.com slash purple. Just more or less on yardage totals. And you are in prizepicks.com slash purple. The code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. 
Folks, there is no busier time for me than the fall, and that means I'm always running out the door and grabbing fast food on the way to cover football. Well, Factor is helping me stop doing that. Factor has convenient meals for my jam-packed days. They are America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and they can help you fuel up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Adjust your stride this autumn without missing a step. You could choose from 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences already in just two minutes. Relish all the best of autumn with fall flavors. They're limited-time-only hearty, comforting meals featuring seasonal veggies like cranberry pecan chicken and apple Dijon pork chops again ready in just two minutes they'll satisfy your fall cravings during the busy season without any hassle Try their dietitian approved calorie smart meals around or less than 550 calories per serving or protein plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Head to factormeals.com slash purple50 and use the code purple50 to get 50% off. That is code purple50 at factormeals.com slash purple50 to get 50% off. It's interesting because um, that's something that our friends at PFF were looking at a while back about how do teams, how often do teams cause a mistake by the opposing defense, which is a really interesting way to look at it. And I don't remember exactly like what the metric said about who was good at it or not, but I'm sure San Francisco was crushing because, and if you think about it, like if someone on the defense makes a mistake or has a negative graded play that your chances of creating a big play are huge. So identifying what could cause that and identifying who could cause that, which is the weaknesses as well. And knowing the principles, of the opposing defense and anticipating how they're going to game plan for what you do and putting it all together and having guys execute it. It's um, it's, it's the reason why not too many people are great at coaching because there's, there's a lot going on there from a week to week basis. Uh, I do want to ask you a future Vikings question, but first something I've brought up on the show to numerous people is uh, Brock Purdy comparisons. And I've heard them across the board uh, for a lot of different ones. Well, I'll let you go first, and I'll I'll tell you some of the ones that uh, other people have come up with. Who does Brock Purdy remind you of? Well, you you can't. My my cousins, she writes TV shows or movies in Los Angeles, you know, one of those sort of Hollywood types. And every single movie or show we talk about, she describes it or something that she's writing. She describes it as a combination of two to three other shows, right? So it's like, it's a little breaking bad with like an eastbound and down, you know, like she'll combine them. Like, that's what I'm working on right now. Um, so for Brock Purdy, uh, I think that he's Drew Brees. And I think that he is Doug Flutie um, or a young Russ Wilson without the big arm, his ability to sort of run around. Um Gosh, I'm trying to, his accuracy is is so good for a young player. That's what I think, you know, Drew Brees was accurate, but Drew Brees didn't have the, this, nearly as quick a release as Brock and didn't run around. You know, it, Drew's a great athlete, but definitely did not like run around uh, nearly as much as, as, as Brock um, and didn't sort of create as much. He was totally dialed and talk about a guy who visually like knew exactly where he was going with the football when it was when it hit his hands it was drew dialed in with the defense and 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 but was very into structure flutie is a guy that sort of he run he used to run around all the time like start up in canada of course he started with the bears right and then he goes up to canada and runs around all the time comes back and like man this guy old guy's been playing for 12 years already now it's like a rookie in the nfl and he's run around in Buffalo and, and playing great football. And that's how he sort of wasn't seeing Diego till, till he was done. Uh, and it was like incredibly effective a lot of times, but then he turned the ball over. So like he wasn't, um, you know, he, and he didn't have a super quick release either, but from sort of a like little guy run around out there, that that's, that's sort of a comparison. I don't know. He's, he's, I haven't seen, I haven't seen a lot, a lot of players like him before, especially at a young age. Uh, especially at a young age. So it's going to be interesting to where 
to where his career goes. You know, again, like on that Iowa podcast, we like, is Brock Purdy going to be some guy making fifty million dollars a year? Like the kid that was throwing passes at Jack Trice Stadium? Are like, is that really going to happen? You know, we had Tyrese Halliburton, who's like a max player in the NBA, which is pretty unbelievable. You sort of feel like you just don't get those people in Ames, Iowa, and like we're going to have an NFL quarter or not, or like it flames out all of a sudden here and he hurts his elbow again and struggles to really throw, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but through 15 games or something or whatever, as a starter, uh, 12 games, whatever it is, it's, it's incredibly impressive to what he's accomplished already so far. And so we'll, we'll see where this train goes. Yeah. And we have seen players whose careers start off really hot because they have great teams and then they get paid and then et cetera, et cetera after that. uh, And it's much harder for them because they have to carry more of a load. And this is going to be the future for Josh Allen, for Justin Herbert, even the most wildly gifted players are still going to have a challenge. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Exactly. But I, I, I think that there's some Mark Brunel in his game for the 90s people, not a big time prospect or anything like that, but he does have that playmaking. He's got some shiftiness, some quickness to his game. And also he had two amazing wide receivers and so forth, but very accurate is how I think Mm of Mm -hmm. uh, Mark Brunel but not like the biggest guy. And then even though Tony Romo is big ish, like he's maybe six, two, six, three, but that little bit of baller kind of didn't, I mean, Oh, big time. I, I, I can't trying to think back who I was talking to back in those days, but uh, discuss, I was, someone had a teammate somewhere who had played with Romo in Dallas for a couple of years. And he was like, I've never seen someone get out of a phone booth with four defensive linemen better than he did. Like he would be just stuck in there. And there might be something when you idolize Brett Favre growing up uh, in Wisconsin. And like, you see how Brett sort of ran around and did those things with the, but of course with the rocket arm, but uh, in that's what Romo watched, you know, Kobe watched Jordan and sort of made his game similar to Jordan's. And sometimes they look the exact same. Like they're, that's a real thing in, in sports and in, in idolization. And, and Romo is one of those guys who really could get out. He he's, he's similar, but I, I I think uh, Brock's Brock. I think Brock's more accurate. I think he's got a Romo had a quick release, um, but uh, definitely a much better coached team. I don't think Romo actually. He was back there a lot in shotgun and forced to run around a lot. I, I think their offense. If you looked at it, if you went back and watched the Dallas Cowboys now when Romo was playing, you'd feel bad for him you feel bad for him because it was like shotgun first down We're shotgunning all the time. And there just wasn't this like detail in the running game. There wasn't great play action um, there. There wasn't, it was very simple concepts in my opinion. Um, and uh, it caused him to have to like be a hero a lot. So it was fun to watch, but winning wise, it was like a lot of, I feel like nine and seven, 10 and six sort of football. Cause the, the details just weren't there and it was hard for him, but he's probably, yeah, throw like a Drew Brees, Tony Romo, and Doug Flutie in there, and you got Brock Purdy. It's not that that that, that might be a fifty million dollar quarterback though. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, um, but I think it is a good enough quarterback to take them deep into the playoffs, and they should be a Super Bowl favorite, which will make for a very difficult matchup for the Vikings this week, uh, particularly because he's so good against the blitz, which is Brian Flores' big thing. Uh, But before we wrap up, because i got to run out to TCO Performance Center, uh, I wanted to ask you about the Vikings' future at quarterback. Kirk Cousins does not have an extension. I don't know how many hours you and I spent in our lives talking about the Vikings' quarterback situation and breaking down all the different ways you could try to pump up Kirk cousins. And I I think what we've reached is likely the end of the road. And this, you know, group wants to go in a different direction in the draft. You know, Kevin O'Connell, and I'm curious what you think that he should be looking for if they indeed go this route in the next quarterback class, because there's a lot of quarterbacks to be liked in this next class. If you watch any college football this year, you've seen a bunch of them. Like, what do you think would fit with Kevin O'Connell? I mean, what would fit? I think Kevin does a great job um, with right. Like right now, Kirk is a structured offense type of quarterback. 
And so I don't know yet as like a head coach, what Kevin had, when, what he would do if he had a Lamar Jackson or something like that. Right. I've only seen what he did there. And of course, when he was back previously with the Rams and how McVay's offenses was, because I see the similarities there. I also see a lot of Kevin O'Connell in the, the Detroit offense uh, with, with what Jared Goff's doing now. So I feel like structurally they do similar things, but I would assume he would want to go out there and to get a, 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 a multi, more multi-dimensional guy. I, I think that is, it, we've, it, we've been saying it since, I don't know when Michael Vick, maybe my year came out 2001, like, Oh, we got to have the multi-dimensional run pass pass run, you know, quarterback, but they're so hard to find. But I think, more and more and more, more athletes, true athletes, not like myself, but real athletes who can do like 360 dunks in high school are playing the quarterback position. And there are more and more uh, players with the, the 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 coaching at a younger age, the quarterbacks coaching at a younger age, the throwing motion coaching, the um, the training's better. I think there's just there's a lot more kids with great physical skills, with great mental capacity to do all of it. And I think, you know, I don't know, I think you go after two of them. I think every year just, we're going to go until we find the Brock Purdy, you know, and you don't know until you actually have them in there a lot of times, but I think you, you, you swing, the more swings you get, the, you, the more chance of you are of connecting. And, um, you know, I think he's, he would probably like to have somebody a little bit more, uh, a little bit more mobile uh, than, than what Kirk's doing. But I know it's interesting. It's, it's really hard. It's hard to develop. It's hard to bring him in and hard to, to have them, uh, learn the game uh, as quickly as is possible to get out there and start right away. The NFL, as we know, is a extremely um, hard business to be out in the middle of the stream and try to train your horse at the same time. And when you have a young quarterback, it's that, that you, <clears throat> you'd like to have that guy, of course, already on the roster as like some young guy. Um, I guess like what the Packers did for a couple times now with whether it's Rogers or Jordan Love is have someone sit for two years behind a good quarterback and really see how the pros do it. Um, and, and Kirk would have been a great guy to sort of be behind for two years to, or a year and a half to be like, okay, now it's your turn young, more talented, physically gifted quarterback. You've learned for a year and a half from this veteran guy, but I don't know if the Vikings are going to have that capability to do that. And so it is actually exciting in some ways for Vikings fans to be like, what is the future really look like? This is pretty obviously going to be a sort of a clean slate and the GM, the head coach, aren't going to be criticized or anything for like moving on. Right. So uh, I think they've played the situation fairly well. They were extremely competitive. <clears throat> of course, last year being 13 and four and having a really good season, they proved that like, Hey, we've got the right coach. We've got the right system, but now they may have to have a losing season or two as they, or, or three or whatever, as, as they go out there and try to find um, the one who's going to bring home the Lombardi trophy. And uh, that that's, not because even you have Josh Allen doesn't mean you get an old Marty trophy either. You know, only if you have Pat Mahomes, does it make sure does it hundred <laughs> percent guaranteed. Um, so it's, it is really, it's really hard to find the, the, the future um, whether it's the first round or you find a guy in the seventh round. If I were Kevin O'Connell and this is from watching now a year and a half of tape of his offense, there's two things that I would want. I would want a guy who could make me right when I'm wrong because he sends a lot of receivers deep down the field, which creates a lot of space, but it, sometimes they cover it up and it's just, there isn't much of an answer there for Kirk, but the answer might be escape, roll out, gain 15 yards running like, Oh, my play didn't work or there wasn't any great opportunity there, or there was pressure and this guy made me right with a play. There was a play on, on third and long the other day where Kirk gets no pressure whatsoever and it's man coverage, but everyone's kind of covered up. And one side of the field is just completely open that I think a quarterback who has any running mentality turns, rolls out, runs for 15 yards, but that's just never going to be who Kirk Cousins is. The other thing is too, that he runs a lot of these deep route combinations that are kind of clearing out for underneath stuff for the tight end and, and, and things like that. But he's got Jefferson. Jefferson is as good of a downfield receiver as I've ever seen. Like you want Matt Stafford to throw that ball in there. I mean, even if the guy's not perfect with accuracy, I feel like Jefferson is another guy who makes you right when the throw is wrong. 
And what we don't see from Cousins, who has a good arm when he can set off good platform, but does not have a Matt Stafford rocket, no. fire it in there into the tight window. And I, I think that O'Connell would would want that for his offense. I, I can very much see that. Um, you know, maybe you have the inside information, but I, I can see both the Rams, <clears throat> excuse me, the Rams and Minnesota sort of moving on from their veteran quarterback. Um, going younger and especially with O'Connell having coached Stafford, <coughs> excuse me, or, or, you know, been with him before, uh, that, that, that would be a perfect fit. Again, they have similar offenses already, so he'd be a perfect fit, but also again, you, you got to find the, the, the next generation you do. You, I mean, both those guys are almost done. You do have to find the next generation, but I, I would think that at least for excitement, I would think that for Vikings fans, that would be an upgrade. Um, uh, even if statistically it's maybe they're, an even, you know, quarterback situation with where Stafford is right now, you know, and and uh, his propensity to throw a lot of interceptions sometimes. But uh, uh, I think that would be a good move. But again, you have to go out and, and find that that quarterback, and and you may have to draft too. Again, you, you, I, I'm I'm a big believer in like if you're swinging, you might as well swing a whole bunch and and you know hope that one of them connects. And Brock Purdy was the last pick of the draft, and they found magic over there in San Francisco. Yeah, and uh, you do have to draft high to get uh, a Matt Stafford prototype, and we'll see where they end up drafting uh, as we go down the road. But Sage Rosenfels, great to get together with you again. I always enjoy our conversations, and no matter when we're talking or what we're talking about, always learn something about football from you. So uh, keep your phone on and be ready for Jay Fiedler's stats to show up in your phone uh, randomly from me at some point. We had Jay Fiedler on the show once. Great guy. <laughs> Wonderful guy. Uh, Jay, it's funny. When I, was, when I was playing, Jay was a <clears throat> veteran. He was the veteran star in Miami. I already had a son. He didn't have kids until like two years ago. So he's like 50 with, <clears throat> with two little ones. And we're like in opposite spectrums of our life right now. So uh, you, you never miss a good Jay Fiedler reference. <laughs> exactly. So I'm always there for you with that, but thanks for your time. And, uh, we'll get together again, man, for sure. Thank you. All right. Good seeing you.